So I was scanning the radio dial, you know, pushing the buttons, hitting different stations while we were driving the other day. It was a couple weeks ago, and I came across this talk show um, as we were driving, and the speaker was talking about how every evening around their dinner table, the adults, you know, mom and dad, and the kids would share something that they messed up at that day. Now, uh, that's right, they shared where they had blown it or where they had done something wrong, where they had made a mistake, where they had messed things up. Uh, now, at first glance, that just seems like such a negative outlook on life. That's a Debbie Downer kind of life's attitude. It's a glass half-empty mindset. Now, I've heard some weird ideas in my time, and I thought, well, this is just another one of them. But the more I thought about it, it, was, it, it intrigued me. I was thinking, I was processing through it. You see, the idea of rehashing the mistakes of our day, the failures of our life, well, that's just kind of an interesting idea because usually we do just exactly the opposite, don't we? Right? Parents ask their kids, did you do anything fun at school today? You know, on your way home from church, you might have a conversation like, did you have any good conversations today? Grandparents will talk to their kids. What was the favorite part of your week? What was the favorite part of your day? What was the best part of your birthday? Right? We ask those questions each week here at Fort Christian. The staff gets together. We have a staff meeting, and we ask about ministry wins. Right? What went well in your ministry this last week? I mean, nobody asks about ministry failures. Nobody asks about those conversations that went south. Nobody asks about those plans that totally crashed and totally burned. Well, at least not very often. But the speaker went on to say, and she explained that looking at the failures of the day helped them to set healthy expectations for life. You see, when they talked about their failures, it reminded the family that everybody makes mistakes, even moms, even dads. And it was an honest reminder that the best laid plans don't always work, that not everything is always going to go our way all the time. And that's good perspective. That's healthy, right? And on top of all that, when they shared, they understood that everybody is imperfect and it allowed each individual to like lighten up on themselves just a little bit, realizing that they are not alone in, in, in not always doing everything right. They were able to recognize that they are not defined by their failures. They're not defined by their mistakes, and that when they do make mistakes, that they have a family that can forgive them. And that can point to a heavenly father who is willing to forgive them as well. And in this sharing of failures and faults, an example gets set for them as they learn to do life together. That all of us have the choice to either give grace or to show judgment. As mentioned earlier, we're in week two of our new teaching series here at Fork called Choose This, Not That. Choose This, Not That. I mean, think about it. Life is full of choices, right? Choices that can seem never-ending. Choices that sometimes can seem overwhelming. 
And as we stated last week, choices that we make, not necessarily right or wrong, sometimes choices just are. But there are those choices that when, depending on what we choose, they can either help us to live our best life or they can rob us of the joy of life. Or the choices that we make can cause somebody else to either have their best life ever. Or we can strip them of those very things that bring life to others. There are decisions that you and I will make in our daily lives that if we choose one way, we will stand in total opposition to the ways and the will and the desires of Jesus Christ. And if we choose another way, we will reflect the very love and the nature and the example of Christ. If you were here last week, I know I've been lots of conversations after last week's teaching, but I wonder after last week's teaching if you were made more aware of the thousands of choices that we all make every day. I know I have been. I've been convicted, uh, especially been convicted when I'm aware that I'm making a choice that doesn't reflect positively toward Jesus Christ. It doesn't mirror His image. Those choices that I make, those words that I would say that actually damage his image. In this series called Choose This, Not That, we're going to continue to press into the scripture so we can learn to navigate our best life, making good choices, positive choices, choices that reflect the very image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So last week we looked at the choice we make regarding the words we use and we talked about this idea of choose encouragement, not gossip. And the encouragement was a whole list of like ideas and attitudes that we maintain that bring life to people. And that whole idea of gossip just represented all those words that bring people down, that strip and rob life from people. And this week we're going to be looking at the idea of choose grace, not judgment. Choose grace, not judgment. Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you set an example for us that we can follow. Not an easy example for you to live and certainly not an easy example for us to follow, but it's what you've called us to do. It's who you've called us to be, to choose grace, not choose judgment. Today, Lord, help us to see that in you and that it will be reflected in us. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? How shall my praise begin? Right? This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You laid down your life so I could be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Now it's possible that you might recognize some of those lyrics from three different worship songs, three different songs that reflect the grace of Jesus Christ. Perhaps they remind you of the grace that you received when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Where no matter where you had been, no matter what you had done, that his unmerited favor reached into your life and reached into your heart, it met you right where you were, and you have never been the same ever since. 
See, our God is a God of grace, and our God is a God of mercy. He is a God of grace, and he's a God of mercy. You know, sometimes when we think of grace and mercy, we kind of toss those two words around as if they mean the exact same things, as if they are completely interchangeable. And, you know, sometimes when we're dealing with people, those two words really do kind of like, you know, float, uh, they're interchangeable. We kind of work them back and forth. But when we think about the grace that God has shown us through his son, Jesus Christ, we have to understand that they mean a little bit different. His mercy and his grace are a little bit different. And so what we want to do is we want to get a working definition this morning of what is grace and what is mercy. In its simplest terms, mercy is not getting what you deserve and grace is getting what you don't deserve, right? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You're not getting the punishment. You're not getting the penalty, right? But grace is getting what you don't deserve in a good way, right? It's not just not having to pay the penalty. It's basically penalty getting paid for you. Let me illustrate. If you ever parked in downtown Bel Air, you know, there's parking lots. There's also street side parking with those fun parking meters, right? So let's just say that you park in downtown Bel Air, whether you're in your car or you're on your motorcycle, and you, you, know, you think you're going to be there an hour, and you pay the meter an hour, and you're there for like an hour and 15. You get back, and there's a ticket sitting on your vehicle. I don't know if that's ever happened to any of you. But you get back there, and you realize, I've got a ticket. Mercy is what takes place When you see down the road, there's the police officer that gave you the ticket, and you chase them down, and you plead your case, and they choose to tear up your ticket, right? That's mercy. You didn't get what you deserved. Grace, on the other hand, is the same scenario. You get back to your vehicle, and there's a ticket, and you chase down the cop, and you're like, hey, plead my case, please, 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 whatever, And they look you dead in the eye and they're like, somebody's got to pay that ticket. And then they reach into their back pocket and they pull out their wallet and they pull out the cash that it takes to pay that ticket. And they pay your ticket for you. You get what you don't deserve. That is grace. When that happened on my motorcycle, neither of them happened. From the website, Christianity.com, it says mercy is the act of withholding deserved punishment, while grace is the act of endowing unmerited favor. It goes on to say, in his mercy, God does not give us the punishment we deserve, which is namely hell. In his grace, God gives us the gift we do not deserve, namely heaven. It's a great description. Some people remember grace, the definition of it, um, with an acrostic. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Easy way to remember grace. I like the way Max Licato, author and speaker, puts it. He says, Christ lived the life we could not live and took the punishment we could not take. To offer the hope we cannot resist. That's a good quote. 
Now in just a few moments we're going to be talking more about choosing grace and not judgment as it comes to dealing with one another in our day to day. But first, let's look at some scripture together that remind each of us of the amazing grace that Jesus offers each one of us in our day to day. First we're going to go to the book of Ephesians where the apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 starting in verse 8. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. And then in Romans chapter 3, Paul's writing to the believers there. Verse 21, he says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. You see, at the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for your sins and for my sins. He didn't just not punish us for them. He literally paid the penalty. He literally paid the price for them. From John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, two of my favorite verses in all the scripture. And you'll hear them from me a lot from this spot right here. But they are so meaningful and so impactful and such a picture of who Christ is and what he came to do. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And for you and for me, when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, He gives us the opportunity to choose his grace, not his judgment. And then because of the example that he set for us, when it comes to how we react to and act toward and interact with others, we should choose grace for them, not judgment as well. Think about it. We all like grace. I mean, who doesn't like grace? Who doesn't want grace? Who doesn't want God's grace and God's mercy? Think about all those times that you have messed up. Those times that you've gotten in trouble. Those times maybe you got pulled over. I have a friend who just recently got pulled over for speeding twice in one day. And at five bucks a gallon in his full-size truck, that had to be one of the most expensive road trips he's ever taken in his entire life. But think about yourself. If you're a driver, have you ever run a red light, done any kind of traffic thing, and saw those lights in your rearview mirror? Students, if you've forgotten to do your homework and realize that it's due like right now, Have any of us ever hurt anybody by the words that we say? Have we lost something or damaged something that belonged to somebody else? Have you made a mistake at work, 
that cost your coworkers hours and hours and hours of repair to make it right. I wonder, have you ever been called to the boss's office? You ever been called to the principal's office? Have you ever been told those words, just you wait until your father gets home? It's a true confession. In the small Midwestern uh, Bible college that I attended, my roommate and I um, were known for making way more noise in our room and in the hallway than probably just about anybody else in the whole dorm. Um, Probably wouldn't have been an issue, except Clark and I usually made a ruckus at night while most people were trying to sleep. I mean, it was good, innocent fun. We were having like, you know, Nerf basketball slam dunk contests. We hosted some mattress jousting um, out in our hallways. He played basketball. I did not, but somehow we both dribbled basketballs up and down the hallways of our dorm And many a time we would hear these angry footsteps from inside a room where somebody was trying to sleep. And we'd hear their door being flung open. In our naivety or stupidity or whatever it was, we would like rush into our room and we would dive into the bottom of the closet, hiding from whoever it was that we just woke up from their slumber. It was the day after one of those quick, run to the room and hide in the closet noise kind of nights that he and I were both called to meet with a representative from the Student Government Association about our behavior. We were okay. We got off. But think about it. Have you ever blown it and known it? You know, it just, you hope that nobody heard it. You hope that nobody saw it. You hope that nobody caught it on film, on their phone, recorded it. Right? You just hope it didn't happen. But you knew that you were caught. And once you got caught, have you hoped that you wouldn't get in trouble? That you would get no punishment? That you would get no spanking, no grounding, no lecture, no suspension, no ticket, no sound of a gavel on a desk and a judge's booming voice saying guilty as charged. I mean, isn't it true that when we know that we should be in trouble, we all want to avoid punishment? We all want to be left off the hook. I mean, given the chance, if we were honest, wouldn't we always choose both mercy and grace for ourselves? How quick are we to offer grace to other people? How quick are we to choose grace for somebody else? How apt are we to let somebody else slide? For most of us, we are not prone to hound out grace very quickly or very easily. In the young adult small group that Barb and I lead, it's it's often said and, and usually said by me, nothing but grace here, right? Nothing but grace here. And while that might be the goal, I confess that that's not always the reality. Sometimes in our group, the attitudes and the comments are critical, they're cynical, they're snarky, they're full of judgment, and that's just coming from me. Once in a while, the young adults struggle showing grace too. But we need to choose grace, not judgment. Think about this. Think about these real-life scenarios. How much grace do you show or have for the person who cuts in line in front of you at Hershey Park? How much grace do you have for the person who's being rude to the server at the busy restaurant? Or the mechanic who doesn't have your car fixed on time? Or the person who tries to sneak 15 items in their grocery cart through the 12-item or less aisle? Right? How much grace do you have for the child that spills their milk again? 
or tracks in mud or leaves their bike in the driveway, though you've told them over and over not to? How much grace do you have for the spouse who bounces a check or who forgets to pick up toilet paper on the way home or who hits the curb and blows the tire? How much grace do we have for an aging parent who seems stuck in their ways, who doesn't always remember things, and for goodness sakes, doesn't always make it to the bathroom on time? How much grace do we have for the friend who just keeps getting tripped up in the same sin over and over again? Who we see float in and out of rehab? Who says inappropriate things in front of his wife, in front of his kids, or in front of your wife or your kids? How much grace do we have for that neighbor or the friend who borrows things and never, ever gives them back? Choose grace, my friends, not judgment. Personally, I am a person who is very high on justice, which tends to make me naturally low on grace. Now, I believe that there is a place for justice. Justice at time needs to be served. But for those of us that aren't a part of serving out justice, we should certainly reserve being people who are pouring out judgment. You see, in my old nature, I think, well, no one should be left off the hook. No one should receive grace. And I am so thankful that through Jesus, I have learned grace. And I'm not perfect, right? Those of you that have known me for a long time, you're like, amen, I'm glad you're getting better at that. Thank you, my son who's sitting over there on the side, right? All right, I've learned grace. In just a moment, I'm going to share some things I've learned about grace with you. I am still learning how to choose grace, not judgment. To choose this, not that. Here are some observations that I have made on my grace journey. And you might want to jot some of these down. Maybe you can relate. First of all, I believe that it is hard to show others the same grace that we were shown when we were new in our faith. Or might I add the grace that we were shown by some very godly, caring believers when we yet didn't have faith. Right? Do you remember when you were opposed to faith? Do you remember when you thought that Christianity was a crutch? Was there a time when you couldn't or wouldn't accept all that Jesus had done for you? Was there a time where you were still stuck in your old ways, where you were still being controlled by your old self, and Christ had not finished changing, cleaning up some of those areas of your life yet, and people just poured grace out on you? It's hard to show others the same grace that we were shown when we were new to following Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter's kind of talking about that change that takes place. Starting in verse 9, he says, but you're not like that. For you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Choose this, not that. Choose grace, not judgment. Second observation I want to make is that it's hard to show grace to people that we disagree with or hold opposing views on, especially when we we know that we're right, right? People we disagree with, people we don't see eye to eye with, especially when we know that we're right. So difficult to show them grace. The truth is, though, no matter how we want to argue it, no matter how much we want to fight it, we will not win somebody over. We will not win their heart by winning the fight or winning the argument. We might be right, but they might get lost because we insist 
on being right. 1 Peter 2, verse 12, Peter says, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see, uh, they will see your honorable behavior. And they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So choose this, not that. Choose this, not that. Also, it is hard to show grace when we are constantly pointing the finger at somebody and placing blame on them. It's so easy to get caught up in criticizing another person's actions or their attitudes or their posts on social media. How many times do we just, ooh, we want to comment on their post so bad. But we know when we do, it's going to start a war, right? It's just going to be the battle of words that nobody wins, right? Political opinions, personal choices. It's easy to be critical of all those things. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, said these words. Don't judge others, and you'll not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Choose this, not that. Choose grace, not judgment. And as I alluded to before, it's hard to show grace when we're high on the justice spectrum. Right? When we live like justice is ours, we can also start thinking very easily that judgment is ours as well. And it's not. Matthew 7, verse 3 says, Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you got a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, Let me help you get that speck out of your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. Jesus says, First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with a speck in your friend's eye. Choose this, choose that. Choose grace, not judgment. I've also found in life that it's hard to show grace when people have hurt us or hurt the people or hurt the things that we love. Friends, you and I, in this idea of choosing grace, not judgment, have to recognize that hurt people hurt other people. But listen to what Paul had to say um, about uh, that when he's talking to the, to the church at Rome. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. You know, this list could go on and on and on. And you might have your own examples of things that you have learned when you have moved from judgment into grace. I mean, think about it. It's hard to show grace when we have a double standard. It's hard to show grace when we value our opinions over the opinions of others. It's hard to it's hard to show grace when we intentionally choose judgment. And yes, sometimes we intentionally choose judgment. But listen, friends, when we insist on judgment, it can prohibit the person that we are judging from experiencing or having the opportunity to experience the grace of Jesus that could be and should be being displayed by us. You see, when we choose to judge another person, we kind of put up a barrier of them ever experiencing the love and the grace of Jesus Christ as demonstrated by our actions, our attitudes, and our words. See, we need to remember that just because a person acts different, lives different, loves different, looks different, or even sins differently than we do, that they're not outside of God's grace. And they shouldn't be outside of ours either. 
See, Jesus' goal was to save us through his love, not judge us through his anger. And when it comes to the people that you and I interact with on a day-in and day-out basis, that should be our goal as well. We must choose this, not that. We must choose grace, not judgment. Knowing that God in his mercy, through his son Jesus Christ, has poured out his grace on us, you would think it would be easy. You would think that we would and should naturally just love everybody. We would naturally pour out grace. But let's be honest, it's not easy. It's not natural. It's not normal. It's not, it's not, it's not. But friends, it is what he has called us to do. It's who he has called us to be. When we choose this and not that, when we recognize that our choices could rob the life of another person, or that our choices could bring life to another person, when we figure out that our choices rob us of life or bring the best life possible to ourselves, when we begin to choose this and not that in a way that reflects the very nature and image of Christ, when we choose that, then that will make it easier. And the more we do it, it will happen sooner that others will begin to see. And they will also choose because they will see that we are imperfect people. But we're chasing after a perfect God who loves us in spite of our mess ups, who loves us in spite of our failures, who loves us in spite of our shortcomings. And he is a savior who loved us enough that he would actually pay our penalty. Take our place, die for us, while you and I were still enemies of God, while we were still lost in our sin. And when the world sees that, the sooner the world sees that, the sooner they too can experience the same grace that we have found in him and that he wants to share with the world. Choose this, not that. Choose grace, not judgment. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the example that you set for us. Um, that your grace, first of all, is just bigger than any mess we could ever make. That your grace is bigger than any failure. That your grace is bigger than any sin. And they, we are not identified by our brokenness. We are identified by our being made new in you, Jesus. And for those of us that have experienced that, God, help us to show the same grace to the people that we interact with. The people who are closest to us and the people that are absolute strangers to us. The people whose names we know and the people whose names we will never, ever know. The side of eternity. Help us always, when given the opportunity, to choose grace, not judgment. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to move into our next uh, piece of our worship this morning. And, you know, worship isn't just about songs we sing. It's not just about a posture that we take. But worship is an expression. It's an outward expression of, a, of, an, of an inward acceptance or appreciation. It's an outward expression of what goes on inside of us. And we recognize inside God's worth and his value to us. Our worship comes out in lots of different ways. Sometimes our worship comes out in the way we sing. Sometimes our worship comes out in our conversation. Sometimes our worship comes out in the way that we serve. 
this time of our, of our service, we get an opportunity to remember that our worship sometimes comes out in our generosity. The way that we make a difference in the lives of other people, the way that we take the good news of Jesus to our community and to our world through the generosity that takes place here at the church. And it's an act of worship. It's an act of saying, I recognize how much you worth are worth to me, God. And I want to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to hear that as well. Like we shared during our communion uh, conversation is, how does the good news get out unless somebody tells it? You know, every week we invite people to come in and hear the good news here. But we are also spreading the good news as we go out into this community. We're spreading the good news of Jesus Christ as we support camps and, and counseling agencies and, and overseas missionaries and Bible translators. We are doing that with our generosity. So I thank you guys for that. Let's go ahead and pray. Thank God for his goodness to us and, and our goodness that we get a chance to be a part of coming alongside of him as he's good to others. Jesus, we thank you so much for the abundant grace that's shown to us. Help us to worship you, to recognize your value internally by doing things externally. Help us to show worship to you by the things that we say, the way we treat our friends, the way we treat perfect strangers. Help us to show our worship of you by the way that we serve you and your kingdom. Help us to show our our, our worship of you by the way that we give generously so that your good news, so that your name could be spread, so that your fame could be spread to the world, so people would experience your grace, find new life, and their hearts and lives be changed, just as you have changed ours. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right, got some announcements we want to do as we wrap things up this morning. If you came in today or maybe just through this teaching, you've been convicted, I need some prayer today. One of our prayer team is going to be in the... Um, Fireplace roofs, if you exit these doors, make sharp right behind the fireplace. Uh, will be a great opportunity to have some prayer there this morning. If you're new here at Fork, maybe it's your first time, second time, third time, and you're ready to get to know us a little bit better, allow us to get to know you a little better. Ben Cantler, our student pastor, is hanging out back there in the corner for what we call Fork in Four. Four minutes or less, Ben would love to tell you a little bit about our church, give you a little gift to say thanks for hanging out back there, answer any questions that you might have. Well, if you ask, if you ask too many questions, it's going over four minutes. That's your fault, not his, but we're good with that too, right? He's not, he's not bound to four minutes, um, but, but he'll, he'll try to respect your time, that's for sure. So that's, uh, that's right after the service. Also, I want to tell you guys about an event that's coming up. It's the first weekend, it's for, I'm sorry, first Wednesday night in July. It's our Fort Christian 101 gathering. This is a great place to come and learn a little bit more about Jesus, learn a little more about the church, learn a little bit more about Fort Christian Church, meet some of our leadership team, share your story if you like, share a meal together. We provide the food, we provide the child care. Um, just sign up, fortchristian.org forward slash 101. It's a great opportunity to bring your friends, your neighbors, your family members who are maybe new, checking out Fort, checking out Jesus. We'd love to have them as well. All right. Next Sunday, I didn't ask their permission to do this, but uh, our new lead pastor, Brian Hay and his wife Stephanie, um, we're doing a reception for them next week. They know about it. That's not a surprise. Um, but we're going to serve food. We want to feed you guys food. Um, so make sure you sign up for that so we know how much food to buy. But Brian and Stephanie are in this service uh, right now. So uh, let's give it up for Brian and Stephanie. Brian's not on the job yet. He starts tomorrow, but we are so glad that you guys are here with us um, today. We got him pretty much moved in this week and really excited to have them. So anyway, so that's coming up um, next, next week. Make sure you sign up for that and then stick around after the service, hang out with them and meet them. If you don't want to stay for lunch, that's okay. You can stay around and meet them anyway. Um, just don't be sneaking chicken if you didn't sign up, okay? 
Just kidding. You can have chicken. All right. Um, last, no, not last, but not least. Vacation, but wait, can we do VBS first? I, got, I messed you guys up by doing that. Vacation Bible School is coming up in August. And so we're really excited because we've been out to sign up for volunteers. We continue to encourage you. This is an all-skate. It's an all-hands-on-deck evening event. As many volunteers as can help out, we would love to have you be a part. doesn't matter whether you like kids, don't like kids. There is a place for you to serve. So go on the website, sign up where you're going to help out at Vacation Bible School. Also, registration is now open for the kiddos. So sign up your kids and your grandkids and your nieces and your nephews and your neighborhood kids. And then go tell them, hey, I signed you up for Vacation Bible School. And bring them, right? So we want to pack this place out. This is a great opportunity to love on the kids that call Fork Home and to love on their cousins and friends in the same way. And also people in the community. So make sure you sign up uh, on our website for that. All right. Decision recap. Thank you guys can show the Eli and Grace slide now. This is Grace and Eli Schwartz. That's the little ones. That's mom and dad and the Grace and Eli are the little ones. They were, gave, gave their lives to Jesus Christ, were baptized last week. So let's give it up for Grace and Eli. It is Father's Day, and, and you guys, the parking lot may not have been quite as full of cool dad rides when you came in, but there's still some cars and trucks and motorcycles parked out in the lot, so make sure you check those out on your, on your way out. There's also hot dogs and waters on the way out. I know some of you guys, listen, I told Barb, she says, are guys going to want to eat a hot dog if they're going out for lunch with their family? I'm like, yes. Every single guy will drag, grab a hot dog and eat it. It doesn't matter what restaurant they're going to. They'll eat a hot dog on the way out. So you guys grab a hot dog, grab a water, go out and look at the cool cars and motorcycles out there. Um, I reference my bike a lot. It's the first one on the left. So, you know, someone said, I thought your bike was gray. And I'm like, no, it was always covered with dust. Like I just, uh, I washed it. So anyway, so do that. All, all you guys, all you, all you dudes, there's a gift for you on the way out too. Um, there should be a couple of, Students out there handing those out, so make sure you give you a little gift um, on your way as you go. All right, so um, thank you all for being here. Choose this, not that. Choose grace, not judgment. Um, as you guys are going out, the band's going to st stay up here. They're going to play a little bit. You're welcome to stick around and listen to them, or you're welcome to head out and enjoy your day. Thank you all for being here, and we'll see you real soon.